0: You're listening to the Beauty Brain Show, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry.
1: Hello everybody. I'm Randy Schuler
2: and I'm Perry Romanowski.
1: And we're here to welcome you to episode, like, 148, I think, uh, I, of the I show. I think it's uh,
2: 147, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, if, uh, if you don't count the reruns we've been oh. playing while we were on summer break, I think it's like episode 142. But who's counting?
2: Hey, that was quite a vacation that we had. Well, I don't want
1: to... I don't, uh, I, like we could spend the whole show just recapping that and I don't really want to get into the details and I don't want to talk about where we went, really, but it was, it was in the south and it was warm and there was a beach.
2: All I know is I'm still trying to get sand out of places that I don't <laughs> want to talk about.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, enough Enough of our personal lives. Why don't we uh, kick off the show with our beauty science news?
2: Oh, sure. Uh, well, I can uh, start with my first story. Oh, sure. Um... You know, since this is sort of a uh, a southern theme, I have a weird <laughs> beauty trend story coming out of Latin America.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. i not saying we went to Latin America.
2: <laughs> it's just south, right? Yeah, just south. <laughs> gotcha.
1: Southernish, but okay, go ahead.
2: So, it turns out that women are getting scorpion manicures.
1: <laughs> no, no they're not.
2: No, no, not that their scorpions are giving them manicures. That what happens is they're getting manicures and they glue tiny scorpions onto the nails. So <laughs> you according- mean like
1: like freeze dried scorpions or? Well, what? they're I- dead.
2: So, you know, according to the story published in the Daily Mail, it started out as a joke by one beauty parlor uh, in Mexico, and it just kind of caught on from there. They they were having a scorpion theme day at the salon and had this crazy <laughs> idea to glue dead baby scorpions to people's nails.
1: <laughs> we're- Weren't you in a band called Dead Baby Scorpions?
2: (laughs) No, but I will be. (laughs) Well, it turns out they posted a video on their Facebook page and it went viral. Of course. And then this led to people all across North America to come visit this salon to get uh, their manicure with dead baby scorpions (laughs) attached to their nails. (laughs) Now, just in case you weren't, before they apply them, they kill the tiny insects uh, with bug spray. but the things so, still have their, they still have stingers and venom in there. They're just, they're just dead.
1: So no scorpions are harmed in the making of these <laughs> nail polishes?
2: No, no the, the scorpions <laughs> are harmed. <Yes. laughs> now, it's, PETA,
1: PETA, news to PETA.
2: Well, you know, incidentally, I, I did search uh, for comments from PETA, and there was nothing. They had nothing about these poor scorpions. It, it turns <laughs> out no one is looking out for the ethical treatment of scorpions. <laughs> so.
1: Well... We are now, I guess.
2: Well, in case you were wondering, it's it's highly unlikely you're going to get the venom into your bloodstream when it's put on the top of your nails. So uh, there's actually, I, I did track down the video. I actually did a little work for the show. <laughs> there's, a, there's a first. So, so I tracked down the video, and we'll have the, a link in the show notes. But you can see exactly how they put the little tiny scorpions on the nail, and then they uh, glue over the top of it and polish it.
1: And what if you bite your nails? (laughs) That's a problem.
2: (laughs) Don't bite it near the stinger end.
1: (laughs) Uh, All right. Very good. Good story. Uh, Hey, you know, I'm always on the lookout for stories that intersect two of my greatest passions, right? Beauty science and comic books.
2: (laughs) Of course. I remember that first show we did where we talked about comic book heroes who were cosmetic chemists,
1: right? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Or villains or whatever the bit was. But anyway... Uh, Well, I just saw that the brand Magic Shave, they've teamed up with Marvel Comics to do this media program around, you know, their shaving lotions or whatever, using the hero Luke Cage.
2: Oh, Luke, sure. He's got a new show coming out on uh, Netflix, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm sure that's not a coincidence, but the story is is called Luke Cage and the Close Shave, you know, because he's Uh, bald. bald. I guess he's got a beard. I don't know. But anyway... Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool and you know, hearing that once again turned my mind to other superhero themed personal care products. So I have a couple of suggestions, I thought I'd just run by you.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, but as for the shaving thing... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It would seem like Wolverine might be the better. <laughs> right? He's, he's kind of really hairy, right? Yeah,
1: but he doesn't have a Netflix show. Oh,
2: that, that is true.
1: Follow the money, man.
2: <laughs> all right, now let's hear your other uh, Okay, here's my, yeah, cosmetic team-ups with your uh, characters.
1: Here, here's my three products for superheroes. Number one, a stretch mark cream for Mr. Fantastic <laughs> from the Fantastic Four, right? You, you know, you got to figure he's,
2: he's going to get stretch marks, right? Because he stretches,
1: all right? <laughs> yeah. uh, number two, I don't know, some kind of eye drops for Daredevil seems like Uh,
2: he is blind I guess But
1: (laughs) seems like he would need something and then thirdly for Jessica Jones maybe like a bourbon scented skin lotion (laughs) which which is really funny if you've been watching her show on Netflix
2: boy she does drink a lot doesn't she
1: (laughs) So there you go, superheroes and beauty science—you gotta love it.
2: Well, that's excellent. Hopefully, Marvel is listening because the last <laughs> time you had an idea for Marvel, they turned it into the Venom character.
1: <laughs> no, let's not get into that story.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You're not allowed to talk about that for. Legal yeah, bad,
1: still. You know, my attorney advises me not to discuss it.
2: All right. Uh, well, should we get into this uh, other one, other story that I had? Um, Please. About uh, about flossing. Now. <laughs> sure. The question was posed was, is flossing really just a waste of time? What? Now, when I read this story, it reminded me of, you know, you know how I always set goals in January? Well, sure. one, one of my goals a couple of years ago was to floss every single day. So <laughs> I, uh, it was going to be my flossing streak. And
1: okay.
2: and I was successful. I, you know, I really don't like flossing, but I was able to do it every single day in a row a couple of years T- back.
1: Today's show brought to you by Glide <laughs> Dental Floss. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, we're going to get into that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I guess once you get in a habit, it's, it's pretty easy to do. Anyway, the next year, I restarted the goal and was doing fine, and then I heard a, a dentist interviewed on The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Hmm. Uh, it's an excellent podcast that I, I listen to, and, and this guy said that there was no scientific basis for the recommendation to floss. So <laughs> it got me curious. <laughs> Well, he, he claimed that there was actually no peer-reviewed research that demonstrated flossing would help prevent gum diseases or cavities. Okay. And so after I heard that, and you know, I kind of respect the, the information they put on that show, I, I, sure. my interest in flossing kind of waned, and so now I don't floss nearly as regularly. Right, But the thing is, you know, I would tell people this, and, and no one believed me. I mean, in fact, I had a discussion with my dentist the last time I was there, and, and she said, oh, you know, are you flossing? And I said, well, you know, I used to floss, and then there's no peer-reviewed research. That... <laughs> Always to the say... contrarian. <laughs> well, needless to say, she was not impressed. <laughs> she... Keep your
1: and... voice down.
2: <laughs> well, she told me, she said, well, you know, in dental school, they taught us that flossing was something that everyone should do. Okay. <laughs> and so, wow. you know, I didn't get into a big dispute about it. But according to this story uh, by the, a- uh, the Associated Press, uh, they verified what that skeptical dentist was saying about the hmm. benefits of flossing. There really is no scientific evidence that proves that there's a benefit to flossing. Um, and really, what that really means is that the subject hasn't been studied very well, right? Um, right. There, there are just no groups that find it important enough to do peer reviewed research. And, you know, you got to do a double blind study, and people right. have to do it right. And the thing, there's no, I, I guess, there's really no money in investigating something that everybody assumes is just helpful, right?
1: Hmm, interesting. But I mean, certainly there's a benefit like it helps you get, you know, food that's caught between your teeth to come out, right? I mean,
2: well, I mean if if you're brushing it, it well, apparently it
1: I, have you never brushed your teeth and like oh, I got a piece of no, steak cut no. in my tongue and you floss and it comes
2: right out? You, you are correct, uh, and it probably helps to reduce bad breath. You know, if you have rotting food in between your teeth, <laughs> that, that would help. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's nice to hear.
2: <laughs> but as but as far as peer-reviewed research goes, there's no evidence that's solid enough to yeah. support that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, uh, P and G, who sells a lot of dental floss. Uh, they pointed, because the AP asked P&G about this, and they pointed to, uh, they had a two-week study that proved that floss would fight plaque. <laughs> but the scientists okay, who reviewed right. that study, they are like, yeah, that's not that's not real science. Right,
1: right, not the same level of evidence.
2: Then they contacted J&J, and they declined to comment uh, <laughs> when they were presented with evidence. <laughs> we got nothing. <laughs> we
1: got nothing.
2: got nothing. So, so what do you make of all this? I, you know, I don't know. It's important to take care of your teeth, as from a beauty standpoint and from a health standpoint, is one of the most important things you can do, right? And really, the easiest. Uh, but and I don't know if that just means hey, don't floss anymore. I mean, I'm not as religious about it anymore, but
1: I, for one, am sick of your inflammatory anti-flossing rhetoric. <laughs>
2: Well, that's because you're a shill for big dental.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Big (laughs) floss.
2: Big floss. Hey, this just goes to show you, though, though, just because um, experts are recommending something, that doesn't mean that that advice has been scientifically vetted. So, you know, even be skeptical of the real experts.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Here's another story, uh, kind of in that same vein, I guess, but it's the idea that uh, something we've taken as true from conventional wisdom isn't necessarily always quite accurate. So here's the example from a recent story. Um, It's about why swimming pools make your eyes red and irritated.
2: So opening it up, underwater, and the chlorine? Well, just
1: whatever, just the exposure in general, whether you're underwater or not.
2: You know, um, actually, in those interviews with Ryan Latke, I saw his eyes were really red. But I don't know if that was because of him crying because of losing his sponsorships.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny you should mention that because, you know, for those of you listening to the show in the summer of 2016, swimming pools have been in the news a lot lately because of the Olympics. Uh, I'm not saying we went to the Olympics for vacation. (laughs) Of course not. But anyway, so right, everyone knows that the chlorine compounds used to sanitize swimming pools are irritating and make your eyes red, right?
2: That's conventional wisdom?
1: Wrong. Oh. No. So I just read this article that explains that the chlorine itself does not cause the problem. But chlorine reacts with nitrogen and forms a compound called chloramine. Okay. And that is irritating. Chloramine. Yeah, chloramine can make your eyes, you know, sting and look bloodshot. It can even ter- uh, irritate your lungs and make you cough. You know, it's it's that smell in the that pool smell that's in the air. Now, uh, how do you think the nitrogen gets in the pool to react with the chlorine and form chloramine?
2: Well, wouldn't it just come from the 70% nitrogen in the atmosphere so at the surface?
1: I suppose some percent could, but most, according to this study, comes from Poo, pee, and sweat.
2: <laughs> oh my! <laughs>
1: so, so a, chlor- a clean, chlorinated pool will not irritate your eyes at all. Only ones full of dirty diapers or whatever oh. will really cause the problem. Oh so, my! <laughs> so there you go. So, something else for you to discuss with your dentist.
2: <laughs> a good reason to stay away from the public pools, I guess. <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right. Well. Uh, Good thing the summer is coming to the end, and <laughs> I won't be using those pools I have anymore. Have to go swimming much.
1: All right. Well, should we move on to this week's cosmetic questions?
2: Yeah, we do have a few of them. You know, we've had a backlog since our uh, big uh, summer hiatus, and uh, so
1: <laughs> was it. It was just a staycation, really, more than anything else, <laughs> though. That's what I, I'm gonna say.
2: Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. We're going to kick it off today with an audio question from one of our listeners named Joe.
0: Hello, my name is Joe, and I'm from southwestern Oklahoma. You probably know about Charlotte Tilbury, a pretty famous makeup artist, and recently began promoting her products in the United States. Well, I've been using her Miracle Cream for a few months, And I really love it, but now I'm heartbroken to think that first, I spent way too much money, and secondly, that it might not have that big of benefits anyway. Could you please tell me if there's anything special about it? And if not, could you tell me what a more budget-friendly alternative might be? thank you very much
2: well thanks for that question Joe it sounds like you're really torn about using this product so let's see if we here at the Beauty Brains can help
1: yeah but before we get to that though don't if you go to look for this product it's it's kinda I it was confusing to me because there's this uh, you know Charlotte Tilbury multi miracle glow right right and then she also sells a magic cream so oh. Apparently, Charlotte went to the Harry Potter school of cosmetic <laughs> marketing. It's like, uh, Harry Potter and the Sorceress uh, Skin Cream. That was the second book, I think. Uh, yes. Wait, I think so. wait, wait, I got, I got one more. That, by the way, that brings to mind another beauty question. If you have a Harry Potter, do you shave it or pluck it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, well, anyway. Let's get back to the question, and we'll begin by taking a look at exactly what the product claims to do. So let's, let's go with some of the claims right from their website.
1: Yeah, and you know, that's important because people think it says one thing and it really says something else. So you got to look at the source. But this one is a, apparently it's a three-in-one product. She says it's a deep cleansing face balm with anti-wrinkle benefits, a regenerating mask with an overnight facial finish. And it's, quote, an SOS remedy that you can use on cuticles, elbows, heels, and shins to cheat the body of an angel. Wow. I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what that means.
2: <laughs> cheating angels here. <laughs> cheating the body of angels. Hey, well, it also features ingredients like sea buckthorn seed oil and cranberry seed oil that, quotes, are highly effective antioxidant pure oils that moisturize the skin and stimulate microcirculation, unquote. And of course, <laughs> microcirculation, that's a drug claim.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Charlotte got a knock on the door from the FDA uh, over that one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they,
2: do actually, t- they do actually troll websites for claims like
1: this. Oh, just like this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, all right, continuing down the information from the website, it also contains extracts of frangipani flour that soothe and help purify dirt and makeup. So, it's... Wait, it's... It's not removing dirt. It's just purifying it, but the dirt's still on your face. Okay.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> Who writes these things? Well, uh-huh. then there are the uh, rosehip and camellia oil, which regenerate the skin to delay the signs of aging. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> we actually
1: did a we did a show on rosehip oil and showed. I mean, it contains some essential oils that can moisturize, but it's sure. I mean, it's not gonna you know regenerating regenerate the skin. skin. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then last, uh, the website says it contains our old friends, vitamin A, C, and E to you know, smooth wrinkles and bring the skin's complexion back to life, blah, blah, blah. It's
2: an alphabet soup uh, that just goes <laughs> into pretty much anything, right? There you, there you go. So as you can see, the anti-aging claims, they're pretty standard. You know, Lots of products make these claims. Unfortunately, it doesn't really contain any of the best anti-aging ingredients that we found, like retinol or niacinamide.
1: Yeah, it it does contain a functional version of vitamin C. Um, go back and listen to our show on vitamin C if you want to hear more about that. But it, it has uh, a tetraisopalmitate tetra uh, which does work. Uh, but it appears on the ingredient list below fragrance, which means it's going to be below one percent. Which For is sure. you need you need you know three, four, five, ten percent of that stuff to really right. give you anti aging benefits. So it's probably not going to be very effective.
2: Maybe the most interesting aspect of the product is that uh, it can be used as a cleanser as well as a moisturizer. And that's because, you know, unlike most products, it's based on the caprylic and capric triglycerides, which are coconut oil-derived materials that can have both that moisturizing and that cleansing effect.
1: Yeah, but as we've discussed before, there's always trade-offs when you combine functionality like this, right? If you're doing a two-in-one or a three-in-one product, you're always balancing how well is it going to cleanse versus how well is it going to moisturize. So it's, it's probably not going to be the best at either.
2: Right. Uh, In fact, we've never found a product like a, a cleanser and a moisturizer. You've never found one that a combined product is better than the two individual the, products.
1: Exactly. So then that brings you back to the question of product value. Like how much money do you want to spend on a product that's giving you a compromise? There, you know, Convenience is worth something. Right. But do you want to spend a lot of money on something that works that way?
2: Well, Joe is right about the product being expensive. At least from, from my eyes, it costs a hundred dollars for a hundred mils, oh. which is a lot, especially when you consider uh, Charlotte's telling you to use it on your eyebrows, shins, and etc. You know.
1: Uh, y- I think she said elbows. I don't think there was any mention of eyebrows. <laughs> I don't know which or where you got that. Are you? Do you even read the script?
2: I did read the script. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, yeah, you'd use up hundred mils pretty quickly if you're rubbing it all over your body. Yeah, for sure. Gee, I wonder why Charlotte's recommending that. Uh, so, okay. So the the product doesn't really have any special anti-aging benefits based on an ingredient review and you know it makes some compromises between being a great cleanser and a great moisturizer and it's really expensive so i'm sorry joe but this doesn't really sound like the best way to spend your money
2: yeah you know like we always tell people if you really love a product and you can afford it uh, then go ahead and buy it but yeah, sure. yeah. don't buy it because you think uh the company is telling you it's, it's working and it's actually going to work that way. I mean, there are a lot right. of similar products uh, that can give you about the same effect or probably the same effect or more, and that costs a lot less money. So you, you can save money by finding something else. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, she asked what some good substitutes would be, and, and to be perfectly honest, I was just too lazy to go really find good dupes.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's hard coming off of that summer hiatus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but I found a couple things that were kind of in the ballpark, and the key here is... This isn't like a conventional cleanser because it's not built around, you know, high foaming surfactants. Right. And it's not like a traditional moisturizer because it's not built with a lot of oils and fatty alcohols and emulsifiers. So it's a really bit of neither. It's The secret is this Capric Caprylic Triglyceride, um, which is a, ma- a main ingredient in the product. So right. I looked for other, other products that had, you know, similar ingredient lists. So I'll put the link in the show notes. But what I found is the Credentials Collagen Elastin <laughs> 14-in-1 Cream. Uh, and that thing only costs $14 for two ounces.
2: Wow, that's a much better deal, right? Uh, yeah. Another that I searched high and low for was the Hyaluronic Acid Beauty Cream, <laughs> which costs about $24 for two ounces. Now, we're not saying that these are identical to Charlotte's yeah. product, but, you know, they may have a similar feel and they cost a lot less money. So you might as well try these first yes. if, if money is a concern.
1: There you go. So, Joe, if you, if you check those out, write back in, uh, and let us know what
2: you think. All right, we'll move on to another question here. Uh, this one comes to us from Broken Sticker. Uh, Broken Sticker says, I bought this shampoo, not your mother's way to grow shampoo, thinking the ingredients sounded good, but I find it's drying to my hair. Can you please explain what I'm finding to be drying? I can't figure out why at all. So all of the ingredients seem good to me.
1: <laughs> you know, you know what's more confusing than the ingredients in this product? It's the branding. I, I I was not familiar with this this company. But it's like, if you look at the bottle, it's like, like it's Not Your Mother's is written like in the big type at the top. So right. I thought, well, oh, is you know, Not Your Mother's the brand? But then the next slide is like Not Your Mother's Way. So is Not Your Mother's Way the name of the brand? And then it's Not Your Mother's Way to grow. And then below that, it's long and strong shampoo. So I couldn't figure out like, Which part was just the brand name and which part was the product name, but (laughs) that was just my... Very curious. I
2: guess. Well, you know, there's a lot of these brands these days. It's sort of fashionable to make the long sentence. I think it was started by the Say Yes to Carrots people, right? Oh,
1: interesting. Yeah, it's kind of had that same kind of feel. So anyway, sorry, I'll stop ranting.
2: (laughs) Well, that's all right. Well, I wasn't familiar with the brand, so I checked out their website, and it looks like they're all about creating what they call the highest-quality salon-comparable products at the most affordable prices.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that that sounds laudable. We're always talking about, you know, trying to find cheaper versions of salon products. So let's take a look at the ingredients and see if they succeeded. Uh, The backbone of the formula consists of cocaminopropyl betaine, which is typically used as a a secondary foam-boosting ingredient. It's pretty mild. And then they use a blend of sodium lauroil methyl isethionate. Some people say isothionate. (laughs)
2: Sure, I do. (laughs) Either way.
1: Uh, sodium methyl torate and sodium coke oil acetheanate. Now, that's a, I know that's a mouthful, and of course, we'll put these in the show notes for you. Uh, oh, by the way, it also contains a conditioning polymer, uh, polyquaternium 7.
2: Right. The acethenoate-torate combination does make for a mild system, but it's kind of unusual to use the betaine as the primary surfactant. Yeah, yeah. it
1: is. Usually, it's, yeah, it's the. It's further down on the
2: ingredient list. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the foam feels different than most shampoos that you're used to. Now, in terms of what's drying out your hair, you know, it could just be the lack of any kind of conditioning ingredients.
1: Yeah, this doesn't look to be what I would you know categorize as a strong two-in-one. So I, I, I wouldn't see that you'd get much conditioning. I, I mentioned the PolyQuat 7. Right. That's really going to be the only thing that stays in here after rinsing to give you some slip but they're not using things that you would typically see in a high conditioning shampoo formula like uh, silicones or maybe Guar, hydroxypropyl trimonium chloride, things like that stay behind in your hair and are responsible for most of the conditioning from a shampoo system, and they simply don't use those things. Here.
2: Right. Now, they use uh, surfactants that are, tend to be more mild than your standard sodium lauryl sulfate, so maybe they're counting on that, but it's still a Yeah, but those, a those won't give right? you
1: the same slip. I mean, they may be uh, less drying to your scalp, but they're right. not going to give you that same feel of slip and lubrication.
2: Exactly. Well, in terms of value, uh, you know, this stuff sells uh, $6 for 8 ounces. So, as they mm. promise, it is more affordable than many salon products. And unlike many salon products, they do use premium cleansers. You'd be surprised just how many salon shampoos oh. just use the basic SLES formulas, right?
1: Oh, my God. I remember, like, that was an eye-opener when we started to look at those salon formulas and really break them down. And, you know, I don't know if people have changed their formulas since we've looked at these things. But, you know, things like Paul Mitchell, you know, major salon brands were using... S-L-E-S and betaine, which is the most basic of all uh, systems. So anyway.
2: The same stuff you can get at, you know, Target or Walmart. Right, right, (laughs) exactly.
1: So anyway, um, so to answer Broken Sticker's question, she might be better off uh, with one of the sulfate-free shampoo formulas from the L'Oreal line if she doesn't want her hair to be dried out as much. They're slightly cheaper. They're in the same ballpark for cost but they use an even better surfactant mix because it's not so much of the betaine and they contain even more conditioning agents. So you might give those products a try there. I think they're gonna give you the same Basic value and probably be less drying for your
2: hair. Yeah, you know I find the positioning of this brand interesting though. Isn't that the same positioning as Tresemme or, or the same? Well, or you could argue it's the same as Swab. The Swab professional line. So, so
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but this is not your mother's or no, not your mother's way. Not, <laughs> no wait, way no, to not, grow. No, not your mother. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, that's the brand.
2: <laughs> right. Speaking of brands, uh, how about we build the beauty brand, uh, beauty brains brand with some <laughs> iTunes reviews, huh?
1: I think that's one of the best uh ad-lib segues you've ever done on the show.
2: Thanks, it's not here in the script at all.
1: <laughs> so yeah, let's let's talk about uh iTunes reviews before we get to our final question. Now we haven't done this in a long time, so we've got kind of a backlog, but I do want to give a, a quick shout out to those people who some of the people who've reviewed us on iTunes.
2: Yeah, and the thing is about iTunes reviews, it's very helpful when you give them to us if you enjoy the show or you think it's total crap. We do, we appreciate any kind of feedback. And actually, we do we, we are affected by feedback that you give us. You know, we love to hear uh, that you found the show good and it's going to help with our rankings in iTunes and that's going to make it easier for other people to find the show. And so it's, it's a benefit in that way. And it does just make us glow for the entire day when there's something fun said.
1: <laughs> Somehow you, you, you say that it always sounds dirty. <laughs> I don't know. All right, well, let's go. Here's a couple. I'm, I'll read one from Rachel Marie 13 who says... Randy and Perry give great, unbiased information, which is hard to find in beauty these days. This is Up There with Cereal and This American Life, the best beauty podcast I have found.
2: Wow. Thank you. Thanks for that. (laughs) And I love Cereal and uh, This American Life. (laughs) Then Pam says, I am so excited to continue my journey learning from these wise scientists. Thank you for all that you do. Well, you're welcome, Pam. You're welcome,
1: Pam. Bubba Fazizhavizh says... Informative, unbiased, and funny. I love it.
2: Laurie St. has only one suggestion. The only way this show could get better is if they played air horn sounds after the host burn each other with their witty quips. Remember those remember those early days when I had the sound effects machine
1: and <laughs> yeah, trying to block those out. I think so what Larice was saying, if I understand this correctly, is after I burn you with my witty quips, we should play a little something <laughs> to signify that. Is that her suggestion? We do that. I think
2: that was I think that was uh, what was said there. So uh, I can't wait to see, hear the post editing of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there, there you go. All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. We're running out of time. Do we should we try and squeeze in one more question? Yeah,
2: I think we got time for one more.
1: Okay, we'll do this one quickly. But it's uh, this comes to us from Florida girl in New Jersey, who asks us to analyze the ingredients of Shiseido's lash serum and comment as to whether the ingredients are prostaglandins and whether it contains ingredients that could potentially change eye color uh so she's so she's asking about eyelash growth products so Remember the great Jan Marini eyelash growth controversy back in the 2000s?
2: Well, I re- if you recall, this is one of our first big stories on the beauty brands. After mm-hmm. we had been doing it for a while, we got a lot of people asking us about eyelash growth products. And mm-hmm. being cosmetic chemists, we know that cosmetics aren't allowed to make hair grow, right? If, right. if they did work, then they were drugs. And drug product. so, you know, I think our initial kickback was that, yeah, these are just... Claims and they don't actually work. But upon a little investigation, uh, there actually was uh, uh, an ingredient, uh, Bimroprost, or that's what I always call
1: the it. Tamaprost, I think?
2: Yeah. Head. Um, that it, it turned out it was a drug for glau- glaucoma, and they found mm. that it actually was making eyelashes grow. Yeah. And so the company that had the patent on that was uh, looking to develop an eyelash growth product. Uh, which eventually was launched as Latisse. But before that, uh, a company called Jan Marini, they took sort of a knockoff of that ingredient and they were selling a product as a cosmetic that actually worked. Mm -hmm. And uh, this eventually led to their product being shut down by the FDA and uh, they forced for a recall and (laughs) it was all crazy. But, But one of the side effects was that this this ingredient, while it could grow eyelashes, it could also change the color of your eyes, so your blue eyes could become brown. And so right. that was one of the, the issues there. That's
1: a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay, so that, that, thanks for the history. Now, she's asking about this Shiseido product. I took a look at this. So in this case, the active ingredient appears to be arginine. Now there is some information out there that suggests arginine can stimulate release of nitrous oxide which in turn stimulates increased blood flow to the follicle and therefore increases hair growth but it's far from proven again right. this would be a drug if it really did do that Exactly
2: and we couldn't find any definitive studies which back this up you know although there are several patents along this line uh, from Procter and Gamble and L'Oreal and others so there's something there. But like you said, if if this worked, I mean, this is a drug product.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just just because a, a product has a patent on it, that doesn't mean it, it works for something they're claiming. I mean, the patent could be related to, you know, how the formula is put together or something about the composition, or it could even be a packaging patent. So, I mean, I didn't go through and read all these. Maybe that's something that'd be a good follow-up for you to do. Right. Uh, but, but you know, as far as we know, no. The, 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 a product using the arginine as an active ingredient has not been proven to be safe and effective for eyelash growth.
2: So, and and looking at their ingredient list, uh, I don't think there's anything in here where you have to worry about your eye color changing, right?
1: Right. Not because if it's it's yeah. not a prostaglandin derivative, it should be fine. No.
2: And it's probably unlikely it's going to make your eyelashes grow either. <laughs>
1: Well, like I said, there's some evidence. Hey, if the fine folks at Shiseido would like to share some clinical trials with us, we'd love to be educated and, and in turn educate our listeners.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, if, if it's a big company making the claims, usually those are backed up by more science. By something, than- Yeah,
1: this is yeah. a legitimate company for sure. That's, exactly. that's a good point to bring up. Okay, so there you go.
2: All right, that brings us to the end of our questions. Uh, you know what we haven't done in a long time? It seems like all uh, summer.
1: Record, recorded a show?
2: <laughs> there is that. But we haven't talked about a book that I read. Oh, OK. Yeah. We actually have a deal with uh, audible.com. And if mm-hmm. you go to uh, audibletrial.com slash uh, and you can get a free audio download book and, and sign up for their service. And that helps support the show here. And one of the books that you might consider reading is a book called Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance.
1: Wait, 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 wait. You plugged this book on the show already.
2: No, I didn't. Did I? Yes. You talked about grit. Oh, I did. <laughs> well, I actually read so... it now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, wait, I... Well, it's... What? Yeah.
1: It's professional podcasting, or as close as we're going to get.
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to say, it's still an excellent book, and I encourage everyone to go out and read it. But if so you've please, already read Grit, you might Please, just... go
1: buy this damn book so Perry stops talking about it on the show.
2: <laughs> well, little, little do people know that uh, Angela Duckworth, who is the author, and I are, are related. She's, she's my aunt. <laughs> no, she's not really. <laughs>
1: All right, Perry, we're out of time. We gotta go.
2: Stumbling to the finish line, uh, 147 (laughs) shows in a row.
1: (laughs) That's what happens when we're out of practice. All right, so we're done. Let me just say goodbye to everybody and remind them until next week, remember, we really didn't go to Rio. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.